Amen. Well, this morning, I just want to continue in our series, uh, Love and War. And you know, the whole idea is that relationships are supposed to be characteristic of love, right? But sometimes it's not love, it's war. Our relationships are more of a battle than it is a love fest. But the Lord wants to redeem every relationship and he wants it to make it, he wants it to be characterized by love. Amen. And in week one, we talked about fighting for a happy family. Now, the Lord doesn't want us just to be married. He would prefer we be happily married. I'm going to wait till you get some of this down in you before I move on. How many of you think it's funner to be happily married than to be unhappily married, right? Yeah, of course. And then last week, Pastor Larry did a profound job of teaching us how to fight for the family, right? And so, uh, wow, what a great, by the way, you can get, uh, the marriage conference. If you missed it, you can order it on CD or DVD. You just go out there. They'll put it in the, in the mail to you. And so you can check on that. And, and the parenting teaching, I think will be on our podcast or, or web, um, website or whatever it is. But today I want to talk about, um, about fighting for the Lord's will as a single adult. Now, the last couple of weeks, the singles had to listen in while we talked about marriage and parenting and all that. And so all of us married people are going to have to listen in as we just talk about, about fighting for the Lord's will as a single adult. This subject is really uh, dear to my heart, uh, just as anything relating to relationships is. But, you know, I got saved when I was 22 years old, and, um, and I got married whenever I was... Um, uh, six and a half years later, 28. Yeah, I had to, I had to do the math. But, uh, but anyway, um, you know, I, I learned that, uh, trying to live for the Lord, being a single can be very challenging. And then, you know, Tanya and I had the privilege of working with youth for, I don't know, about four and a half years, including, uh, you know, young adults and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, we discovered that the, uh, for the single adult, navigating and staying in the will of God can be quite challenging. And, you know, it's very important because, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you just get, you just get tired. You know, I, I talked to somebody after the first service and man, just crying, just crying on my shoulder and just sharing just, uh, just an experience that he just had. And, and, and it's just, it's tough. It can be tough. It can get tiring. You can get lonely. You can, um, you can battle, you know, the flesh doesn't want to wait on the Lord. It wants to do its own thing. And, and then you have, uh, you contend with the pressure from other people that, that, uh, wanting to help you find the will of God. Hey, you need some help, man. I can help you. No, no, no. Thank you. We appreciate that. And then you have people that get real spiritual and say, the Lord told me that you're the one. And you say, no, no, that was not the Lord. Right? And so it can be quite challenging. And, and, and here's the reason why we need to talk about that this, this, this morning. Because, you know, the main challenge of the single adult life is staying in the will of God while you navigate the Christian, the, the single life. And, and, um, if you don't stay in the will of God, it's like getting out of the sweet spot of life. And if you stay in the sweet spot of life, that's where the, that's where the fountain is. That's where the blessings are. And, and I've watched many folks over the years 
And, and they're doing good. They're serving God. They're living for the Lord. And they're, they're enjoying God's favor, God's presence, God's blessing in their life. But somewhere along the way, a young man or a young woman or maybe even an older man or woman, whatever the case may be, turns their head and they just forfeit the will of God to go after some relationship and they end up just hurting themselves. Oh, y'all, know, y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I believe that, um, you know, there's too many Christians that get shipwrecked in their Christian life because they're struggling to navigate, you know, this Christian single life. And the lure is great. The, the pool is great. And, and you, there's people, you know, married and, and, you know, the weekend is buzzing and it's just so easy to just shipwreck right in the middle of navigating that, that season of life. So this morning I want to talk about just a couple of suggestions on how to stay in the will of God as a single adult. And the first one is this. Allow God to help you develop the spiritual principle of contentment in your life. And, and this is what I mean by that. You know, contentment means learning to be satisfied with where you are. Learning to be satisfied uh, in the situation God has you in the moment. And so, you know, First uh, Timothy 6.6 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment is great gain. And some people mistakenly think that if I can just get married, that I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be satisfied. That was a married person that just said that. <laughs> you know? And all the married people say, no, no, that's not true. You know, and, and that's the reason why there's a lot of unhappy married people in the world. Because they mistakenly thought that if I just get married, if I can just get, you know, get out of the single state status, that everything is going to be okay. But you know what happens is they get married and then they're still not happy. And they say, well, I'll be happy whenever I have a child. <laughs> there's experience just, you know, and then, and so then they have a child and then they say, Oh, you know what? Oh, I'm so glad I have a child, but I'll be happy when I have more children. <laughs> Come on, y'all, y'all preaching now. And so they have more children, and then they say, well, you know, I'm glad I'm married and I have children, but man, I wish I would have married somebody different. Because, I mean, you know, they're not as romantic as I want them to be. They're not nurturing. They're not loving. They're not caring. They're not... And so, you know, and so you have a lot of unhappy people in marriage because they never really learn to be content. And so, listen, if you're not content or satisfied in life as a single adult, you probably won't be happy or satisfied in marriage. The Apostle Paul says you have to learn to be content. Philippians 4.11, he said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. See, contentment is something that you have to learn to develop in your life. You know, I think about, when I think about contentment, I think about, have you ever been around a child that is not content? You know they're not content, right? I mean, they're tearing things up, man. But it's amazing whenever you have a content child. It's a whole lot different. But sometimes you have children that have grown up to be adults that are discontent. And so you got to learn to be content. Because if you don't learn to be content, 
your discontentment is going to force you out of the will of God. Here's the key to contentment. Philippians 4 and 12, Paul said, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, the spiritual state of contentment, according to Paul, says can be developed by having a true and genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. In all things, he says, we use that verse, we quote it all the time. I can do all things through Christ, but can you be content through Christ? That's really the question. Not just for singles, but for married people, you know, and whoever. Can we be content? I can do all things through Christ. Listen, I believe the stronger your relationship with the Lord, the more contentment you will have and and the better chance you will have of being right where God wants you to be when it comes to relationships. Because sometimes what draws us out of the will of God into bad relationships is not having the contentment of the Lord in our life. Does that make sense? Now listen, when Paul said this, we have to understand, it's not like he had a great job, pocket full of money, a big house, a big car. You're talking about a guy who lived in prison, a guy who got stoned, a guy who lived the Christian life, and he said, I've learned to be content. So I'm saying, if Paul can learn to be content, then what's my problem? Amen? Come on, y'all help me preach this morning. And so contentment is, is so impersonal now, uh, so, so, uh, important. But, but let me, before I move on to the other part, I have to share this because I was reminded of it. I, I just want to share my personal fear. Whenever I was single and, and, and just trying to find that place of contentment as a single person, I had a fear. And here was my fear. I feared, I was afraid that if I learned to be content, that Jesus would think that I had the gift of being single and not allow me to ever get married. And, and you know, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, Paul said, I wish everyone were single just as I am, but God gives to some the gift of marriage and the other the gift of singleness. Whenever I read that, I said, Lord, I don't want that gift. Come on, how many, how many other people out there say, I, I don't want that gift of singleness, Lord. And so I had this fear that if I would just get content with being single, that the Lord would say, oh, you're good, you're good. I'll just let you sit right there. No, Lord, I want to get married. But now listen, as I dealt with that fear, the Lord encouraged me with this verse, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Listen, here's what I think this verse is saying. It's okay to desire to be married. As long as your desire to be married doesn't consume you and become the cause of your unhappiness or your dissatisfaction in life. Does that make sense? You can desire something without it totally consuming your heart and becoming obsessed with it. So I think the Lord says, hey, listen, it's okay to desire to want a spouse or want to get married. Just don't allow that desire to become so consuming that it becomes the only thing that you could ever think about and the only thing you live for. How many of you know the Lord needs to be that? Amen? So the key is to make sure your desire for the Lord is greater than any other desire that you have, including your desire to get married. Amen. I think that's good preaching right there. You know why that should be, saints? 
The Lord is truly the only one that can satisfy us. There's nobody that you can marry. You know, it's e- you know, what happens a lot of times is we get married thinking that we get married and the person we marry is going to meet all our needs. But listen, ain't nobody walking around in Jesus' suit. There's only one Jesus. And only Jesus can meet all our needs. And so we can look at and we can point out and we can bellyache and we can complain and we can gripe and we can murmur and we, we can do all that all day. But at the end of the day, the Lord wants us to learn how to be content where we are with what we have right now. Amen? Amen. Right now. And so I encourage you, encourage you, strengthen your relationship with God because he's the really the only one that can satisfy. Number two, the second suggestion in staying in the will of God while you navigate the single season of life is take advantage of your unique opportunity of being single. And in and, and Ephesians 5.16, it says, make, uh, make the most of every opportunity. How many of you know every season and every time, every, every different change in, of your life is an opportunity? And so Paul encourages, listen, don't waste it. Take advantage of it. And so when you're single, it's an advantage. It's an opportunity that you won't have after you get married. Now, there's two ways you can take advantage of being single. And the first one is while waiting, work on your personal development. Work on your personal character. Work on being more of a, a person that is marriable. That's not a word, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know, in Luke, 5, Luke 2.52, you know, is a verse that describes Jesus. And, it, and I know you're familiar with it, but it says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man, right? And so Jesus personally kept growing. He kept developing personally. He never stopped. He kept getting better. He kept maturing. And so the Bible says he grew in wisdom intellectually. He grew in stature physically. He kept developing physically. He, he grew in favor with God. That means he grew spiritually. And then he, he grew in favor with man. It means he kept growing socially and relationally. And one of the biggest contributing factors to the failure of relationships is the lack of personal development in our lives. And so while we're single, you know, some people sitting on the couch and say, look, whenever God finally blesses me with the one, then I'm going to start working on getting, you know, my life in, in, in shape. No, no, that's the wrong time. The time to get in shape is right now while you're single. Amen. And so while you're single, learn and grow intellectually. Keep getting, get, get, expand your understanding and your knowledge of things while you're still singing, single, get in shape, get physically fit. Amen. And so listen, while you're still single, work on building and strengthening your relationship with God as well as relationships with others. Amen. Don't wait till you get married to do that. Do it now. And let me tell you why. You know, um, are you, some of you have heard this story. You know, it's like after you've been preaching for a while, you gotta, you gotta kind of use the same story sometimes. But I just have so many while I was single, right? But I love telling the story because I can't talk about this but without thinking about this or talking about it because it was one of those things where the Lord just kind of like, hey, hey, you, you know, you hear what I'm trying to tell you? I was, I was getting ready to go to a wedding that I was serving in. And through six and a half years, I served in a lot of weddings. Some of the people are in this room right here, right, right now. But I just like, Lord, I'm tired of serving in a wedding. I want to be the man. 
Like, I want to wear the tuxedo. You know what I'm saying? I want to be the one that says, I do. I mean, look, this guy I'm about to serve in his wedding, he hasn't been serving the Lord as long as I have. And you already gave him a mate. What about me, Lord? Lord, I want your blessing. Lord, I want a hot mama. I want a good, godly, loving, you know, come on. I was just laying it out, Lord. This is what I want, Lord. And the Lord said, okay, all right. Now, you just think about the male counterpart of that person you just described, and you become that, and then maybe I can look into getting something like that for you. Does that make sense? Man, that was pretty, that's pretty cruel of the Lord to talk to me like that. Huh? <laughs> but you know what the Lord was basically telling me is, look, Todd, you just worry about your own personal development and leave the rest up to me. Leave the rest up to me. Listen, while you're single, it's the best time for personal development. And so remember this truth. We, we will attract who we are, not who we want. And so if you want to marry a mature, well-balanced, godly person, begin developing into a mature, well-balanced, godly person. Does that make sense? And so the enemy will try to make us think that we got to push our life on pause. But oh no, God's got a purpose for your life. He don't check your marital status to decide whether he's got a purpose or plan for you. He just decided whenever he created you, whenever he fashioned and formed you, he said, I got a purpose and I got a plan and you just need to get after serving him and just grow and develop so you could be all that God wants you to be. Amen. Now, the second way to take advantage of being that season of being single is utilize your freedom in service to God. You know, the, the truth is being single affords you more time to serve God than whenever you get married. And, and the reason I say that is 1 Corinthians 7, 32 just makes it plain. And he says this, I want you to live as a free, uh, live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And so Paul says, listen, when you're single, you, you can fully devote yourself to God. When you get married, you, your time is divided. You got to worry about pleasing your spouse. And so the single season of life is a tremendous opportunity to devote yourself into serving God. And so again, I think the enemy will always try to get us to say, look, you know, there's married people looking over the fence at the grass on the other side and say, man, I wish I was single. And then the enemy just makes you focus on that. And then there's single people and the enemy says, look over the fence at the green grass. Man, wouldn't it be great to be married? But the Lord is saying, listen, don't worry about standing on the grass over there. Stand on the grass that you're on right now and take advantage of the opportunity and do something great for God. Uh, he's given you this life. Use it for him. Amen. So I encourage you, listen, serve God, learn to serve others, serve in church, get involved, get involved in everything, invest in building the kingdom of God. Amen. 
You know, I thought it very interesting whenever I was reading that passage of Scripture, you know, where, um, where the servant went to get uh, a wife for Isaac. And he went to the well, and um, uh, the servant's like, well, how am I going to know which one's supposed to be the right one? And so he said, Lord, he said, look, whenever I get to the well, would you just bring the right one that comes to the well and let her, let her offer to give me something to drink, but not just give me something to drink, but to water the camels also. And so in Genesis 24, 14, this is what he said. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, I have a drink and I will water your camels too, let her be the one who you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. You know, I think what the servant was looking for was a wife for Isaac that wasn't selfish but had a servant's heart. And I think the best mates are those that are not selfish but have servants' hearts. Amen? And so where do you learn how to become a servant? You learn how to serve in the family of God. You can learn how to serve at work, in your neighborhood, in your family. You can learn how to serve everywhere. But if you get good at serving when you get married, your spouse won't want to kick you to the curb. They're going to want to keep you around for a while. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? Listen, learning how to be a servant by serving others is really the best marriage training and preparation you can have. Because once you get married, it's not about you anymore. It's about y'all. Amen? Nothing can help you more stay in the will of God while you're single and you have all these temptations and all this pulling at you and you're trying to navigate that, that decision, the best thing that can keep you in the will of God is just go after the Lord with all your heart, man. Amen? Just go after it with everything you got. And listen, the Lord knows how to just put that right person. You can just stumble over them right when you come into church on Sunday morning. Can I get a better amen? Amen. Now, the third suggestion to staying in the will of God and navigating the single season of life is relinquishing your relationships to the Lord. You know, I find that a lot of Christians, they have an easier time accepting Jesus as Savior than accepting Jesus as Lord. And the difference is this. Jesus as Savior means, man, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a knothead. I know I need forgiveness. I know I need eternal life. I don't want to go to hell. I need a Savior. And so we readily, or, or most of us will readily accept that. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to go to heaven. But when it comes to Jesus as Lord, you know, Lord means you're willing to submit to him. You're willing to lay down your rights. You're willing to submit your entire life to him. And so there's more people that are willing to accept Jesus as Savior than Jesus as Lord. But whenever you accept Jesus as Lord, you turn over all your life over to Him, including your relationships. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. You know, some people, they, their big struggle is when it comes to their money. They'll, they'll let Jesus be Lord over everything except their pocketbook. And they say, oh, I got that, Lord. But some people, they'll let Jesus be Lord over their pocketbook and everything else except their relationships. 
But if you want to stay in the sweet spot in the will of God, you got to be willing to trust the Lord with your relationships. And so listen, relinquishing your relationships to the Lord means a few things. First, it means you're willing to seek God's will concerning your relationships. How do you find Mr. Right? How do you find Mrs. Right? How do you get the right one? I mean, how do you know? You know, there was two fears I, you know, I struggled with as a single is one is I was afraid to be deceived. Like I, I married somebody, you know, at the altar, that was another person when I brought her, brought her home. Come on. I know Tanya was afraid of the same thing. Amen. Come on. Yeah. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But listen, I also feared making the wrong choice. What if I choose the wrong person? I mean, people can put their best foot forward, you know, at, to a certain extent. But how many of you know, whenever you go home, and you start living together, that's a whole different deal right there, right? So what should you do? How do you increase your odds of making sure you get the right one? Matthew 6, 9 and 10, Jesus said, pray this way. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, relinquishing your relationships means you're willing to lay down your right to choose on your own. And you're saying, Lord, I want you to help me. I want you to help me. And you're willing to submit to the Lord's will concerning not what I want, but what you want, Lord. Amen. I remember whenever I was, uh, whenever I was young and uh, before I was married, I was snow skiing with Brother Francis and Miss Babs. And we were, Brother Francis and I was on a ski lift. And, you know, Brother Francis said, so tell me about your, your, uh, your relational life. You dating somebody? Get married soon? Or it's like, no, no, no. He said, well, let me help you with that. Let me help you find somebody. I said, oh, no, it's all right, Brother Francis. I didn't want him to help me. You know why? I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him. I was like, you don't know what I like. And you, I mean, you, you, I'm not going to trust that to you. But you know what I find Christians sometimes, they don't want to allow the Lord to be a part of their relational choices because they don't trust him. But how many of you know he can do a better job than we can do? Amen. In fact, I believe if we let the Lord, he's going to upsize us. Come on, we're going to marry up. Amen. We're going to marry up higher than we could have on our own. Amen. He knows exactly what it's going to take to put up with you. Come on. All the married people say, amen, amen. I mean, Tanya's got special grace on her life. I'm telling you. But listen, you know, you know, remember when, when Samuel picked the king? You know, Samuel almost picked the wrong king because he was looking at the wrong thing. And, and, and the, you know, and the Lord stopped him and said, hold on, Samuel, that's not him. That's not him. There's another guy that I'm picking. In, in this verse, 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man, man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, now don't get me wrong. Don't marry somebody you're not attracted to. That's a train wreck right there. But at the same time, we tend to put all our stock on their physical appearance. But come on, how many of you know paint fades? Come on, things get old. Amen? But when you put all your stock in physical appearance, if that fades, 
then you don't have much to hang your, your, your hat on. And so the Lord is saying, listen, I know the heart of man. I know people that are deceptive. I know people that are manipulators. I know people that are not the real deal. They're not true. I know better than you. Let me help you. How many of you know it would be better if we let the Lord help us? Amen. The Lord will pick somebody better than you could if you just allow him to help. Relinquishing your relationship to God also means you're willing to wait for God to send someone who walks with God. In other words, don't missionary day. Oh, listen, once I get them in a relationship, I'll bring them to church, they'll give their life to Christ, and we'll be happily married ever after. <sighs> oh, I could tell you some stories. Don't missionary day. Don't, don't, don't make your motive. Oh, they'll do whatever you say. You need to pray. Okay, I'll pray. Oh, yeah, honey, I'll pray. You want to make sure that person is following God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be partnered with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? You can't get clearer than that. You, listen, you're not just looking for someone that says they're a Christian. Everybody says that. And you're not just looking for someone that goes to church. People not willing to serve God can go to church. You're looking for somebody that displays godly character. You know, I like what Bruce Johnson says to advising single adults. He said, listen, never marry a cultural Christian. Marry a godly person. And some people just learn the, the habits of Christianity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But they have no interest in serving God. So you got to make sure that they're on track. The definition, wait for a godly person, not a cultural Christian. And by the way, a godly person is someone who is walking with God. And here's the secret. If you want to know where somebody is spiritually, watch them from a distance. Because as soon as they know that you're interested in them and you're interested in, in godliness, they're going to act godly just to impress you. But if they can't impress you from a different, from a distance, they're not impressive. Come on. Are y'all? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, man. Appreciate, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. Man, just trust God. Amen. So does that make sense? You know, it really, it really, you know, I, I'm, as I'm teaching this, it's really serious. You know, I believe the second biggest decision you can make in life is who you marry. The first one is making a decision to serve God. But after that, it's who you marry. Now listen, if you married, you heard Pastor Larry, you accept who God gave you and you make that work. But if you're single, and you have the privilege of letting God help you, man, by all means, let God help you and look for and wait for somebody that's walking with God. Amen? And number three, relinquishing your relationships to God means you're willing to stay within God's boundaries. His boundaries. And I'm talking about sex here. God created sex. He invented it. It was His idea. 
But he created sex to be enjoyed in the boundaries and in the context of marriage. And so any sexual behavior outside of marriage is going outside of God's boundaries of relationships. And anytime you go outside of God's boundaries of relationships, you're setting yourself up for hurt and for disappointment. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Spirit who lives in you, who is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God brought, bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So you have to trust God with your relationships. God's purpose for boundaries and relationships is not to steal our joy. It's not to, not to rob us of enjoyment. It's to protect us. And it's to help us. The reason God puts sexual boundaries in relationships is so it protects our heart and it keeps us from getting damaged spiritually so we can really enjoy what he created in a way that will be a pleasure and increase our intimacy and our enjoyment in the context of marriage. Does that make sense? You know, I heard somebody say, you know, years ago about, about um, you know, about sex. It's, it's like a fire. You know, fire in a fireplace of a house is a blessing. It warms up the house. You can warm up your hands, put a, you know, have a, a weenie roast or whatever. You know, fire in a fireplace is great. But you take that fire out of the boundaries of a fireplace and it burns the house down and it hurts everybody in the house. And listen, there are people, there are people that think what I'm saying right now is old fashioned, it's old school, it's outdated. But I want to tell you, don't believe that baloney that's out there on the streets. God created sex. He knows how to do it. And if you keep it in the context and keep your relationships in the boundaries that he says, you will have a life that'll be most blessed by the creator of the universe himself. Amen. Don't burn your house down. Keep it in the context. Stay within God's boundaries, and it'll be a blessing to everyone. Amen. Finally, relinquishing your relationships to God means you're willing to be accountable. You know, how many of you ever purchased something that you regretted purchasing? Don't lie in church here. This is a, you know, this is a question. Now, don't be lying. How many of you, every, every month you make that note, put your head on the desk and go, oh, my goodness. But isn't it true you can make some bad purchases? And, and haven't you made some purchases that you wish, like, man, I wish I'd have got some advice about this because that was a bad purchase. And so, listen, the question is if, if we have the potential of making a bad decision about purchases, don't you think we have the potential of making bad decisions concerning relationships? The Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen that where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety or there is victory. And so what that means is that getting counsel is beneficial because you're not relying on just your judgment. And listen, when you want something, you're, you're just like, you're not thinking realistically. Yeah, Todd, I know you want that boat, but did you see there's a hole in it? 
No, I didn't see that hole. Well, man, you know, that might not float too good. You might not want to buy that boat. It's got a hole in it. But when you could be just after something so much that you throw out all logic. And so sometimes in pursuing relationships, man, you get steary-eyed and you're like, oh, brother, get out of my way. And you can throw out all logic. But if you're willing to be accountable and just let somebody in your life, somebody that's spiritually mature, just help you navigate that. And when somebody, you know, whenever there's somebody that's potentially somebody that you might be interested in, just get some counsel. Just let, just submit it to, to somebody godly that can help you walk through it. Does that make sense? See, the good news is you don't have to rely on just your judgment. You can rely on other people's judgment to help you. The biggest decision that you ever make outside of your decision to serve God is the decision of who you're going to marry. And, you know, there's been a lot of couples in this church that have allowed God to be a part, and they've done well. And there's been, you know, I got a list of how many people I married since I started 26 years ago. And whenever I look at the list, it's discouraging of how many of those that no longer are there But, you know, I can look at the list and I can see those that allowed God. You know, listen, it's never fail safe. I'm telling you, you will increase your chances of being successful in your relationships if you will stay in the will of God. If you will just let God be a part. Listen, I didn't want to let Brother Francis help me. God, you don't know what I like. And I, that's understandable. We have this fear. It's like, man, this is a big decision. I don't want anybody else. I'm not telling you to let them make the decision for you. You got to make that decision. But just let them help you process it. And maybe they could just give you some counsel and some wisdom. They might see something. In fact, you just have lunch and have them over. Just, hey, come hang out. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you see. And whenever you're willing to just submit your life and your relational life to the Lord, I think you have the potential of doing better than you would ever, ever do on your own. And listen, I think the first step to having a happy marriage and a great marriage is you got to get started on the right foot. you got to let God get in the middle of it now. And I know there's some people in this room right now, just like that brother that cried on my shoulder this morning that didn't allow God to help him. And, and you're suffering this morning because of it. And God don't want your heart to be broken. He don't want you to be, he don't want you to be thrown away. He wants, he loves you and he wants you to have the best. But somewhere along the way, you're going to have to put your faith and your trust in the Lord and let him help you. Amen. Do me a favor and let's stand together. Would you would you just bow your head with me for just a moment? How do you stay in the will of God in your relational life? Well, first of all, you have to get in the will of God personally. You have to give your heart and your life to Christ. You got to surrender your life to Him. Not just your relationships, you have to surrender your life. 
And whether you're married or you're single or you're a widow or you're divorced or you're separated regardless of your state and your situation, the Lord wants to help you. But you've got to be willing to surrender your life. The Bible says in Mark 10, 19, therefore with God had joined together. You've got to let God lead you. You've got to let God direct you. So if you hear this morning and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never made a decision to become a, a, a full follower of Jesus Christ. But I realized the need to do that this morning. And I want to do that. Would you pray for me? If that's you and that's your heart today, would you just raise your hand? Just raise it up so I can see it. Because I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just keep it up so just long enough. I see your hand. Anybody else right over here? Anybody else? Just raise your hand and say, pray for me. Listen, those of you that raised your hand, let's just pray this together as a family. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Lord, I am sorry for every sin I've ever committed. I choose this day to surrender my life to you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me, for washing my heart. I want to be a godly man or woman. And I need your help. Would you help me today? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Those of you that raise your hand and pray the, that prayer, that truly is the biggest decision you can make. There's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. It's a green bar to cross the top. Encourage you to fill that out. Bring it to the info center in the lobby. We have a gift for you. We have a Bible for you if you need it to help you get started in this journey. Amen. Can we just pray for every single that's here today? If you're single and you don't mind, it's not. Don't be embarrassed about it. You're not less of a person if you're single. Would you just just raise your hand? I want to pray for all the singles in here. And I want to pray. I know it's not easy to navigate that season of life. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you have somebody with their hand raised up, would you just put your hand on their shoulder and, and let's pray for all the singles in the house today. Father, we pray for every single in here. And God, we know that it's tough. It's challenging. Lord, we know that it's hard to navigate that season of life. But God, we pray for all of those that are here today whose marital status is single. God, we pray your grace over them. We pray your blessing over them. We pray your favor over them. We pray your protection over them. We pray your wisdom over them. Lord, we pray that you help them, Lord, that you would guide them, that you would watch over them. Help them, Lord, with this great challenge in their spiritual walk. Lord, thank you, God, for hedging them in, watching over them. And we pray that you would bring God's gift, God's blessing, and God's pick for them. In Jesus' powerful and precious name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Hope you have a great day. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray. If not, be blessed. Enjoy your day. You're dismissed.